turning points. We're going to explore this theme a little bit more uh, for a short moment. Uh, and we're going to look at this theme by, by, by exploring a turning point in the disciple Peter's life, which changes Peter in the most profound way. So go ahead and grab your Bible and turn to John 21. John chapter 21, verses 12 through 19. John 21, verses 12 through 19. And just to quickly set the scene here before we read together, this is in the in-between of Jesus' resurrection and the birth of the church at Pentecost. And so the disciples in these moments, the disciples are in limbo. They've returned to their previous jobs and they returned to being fishermen because they now felt that they had no rabbi to follow. And although Jesus had reappeared to them a few times now, they still felt that they had no leader and no clear sense of direction. And so kind of in a sad way, they go back to what they know. They go back to fishing in the Sea of Galilee as they did so many times before they followed Jesus. But this time they catch nothing, and while they're out struggling on the boat, a man appears on the shoreline and tells them to throw their nets to the other side. And when they do that, they catch this massive catch of fish. And as they're coming back then to the shoreline with this massive catch, they realize that the man is Jesus. And Peter, classic Peter, gets out of the boat and desperately runs through the shallow water to get to him. So this is the scene that we are entering into, this moment in the life of Peter when he gets to Jesus. So John chapter 21, verses 12 through 19, read along with me. And then we're going to think about this for a few short moments. John 21, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew that it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Then later he said to him, follow me. This interaction between Jesus and Peter is really incredible. Here in John 21, the resurrected Jesus stands before Peter, the disciple who had outright denied him what it mattered most, and Jesus lovingly forgives him and reinstates him into ministry. And I want to just quickly think about this key turning point in Peter's life because I believe that it exemplifies something that is really, really important for us to understand as a remnant of young adults adults right now. How do we move forward in our faith? How do we bring the kingdom of God into our lives? What does a remnant of young adults need? Like Peter and like Andy and Anna and Matthew, we need, we absolutely need turning points. 
Moments when we encounter God's word and spirit and where we make significant decisions about following him. We need turning points. So let's think about this key turning point in Peter's life. Peter's life in many ways was marked by a whole series of incredible turning points and experiences of teaching and encounter that would change him forever. Peter had walked on water. Peter had seen the transfiguration of Jesus. Peter had seen Jesus heal his mother-in-law. Peter had seen Jesus raise a girl from the dead. Peter had been told by Jesus that he would be the rock on which the church would be built. Peter had seen the empty tomb, and Peter had seen Jesus resurrected before the rest of the disciples did. Peter's life, while it was undoubtedly characterized by daily devotion to Jesus, it was actually marked. It was marked in such a deep way by turning points. And yet, despite all of those turning points, I believe that this turning point that we are reading about in John 21, this turning point was the most significant one in Peter's life because this was a moment of restoration and recommission. Restoration and recommission. This moment came after Peter had rejected Jesus categorically and had denied his love for him. And despite all of what Peter had seen and experienced, he was still bearing the pain and the shame of publicly denying his rabbi and his master. Peter had bottled it. Peter, Peter had out and out rejected Jesus, and he knew it to the core of his being. Peter was a broken man back living in his old life with his old mindset as a fisherman. And so in these verses in John 21, Jesus does something which is remarkably lovely and miraculously kind. Jesus gives Peter the opportunity to publicly recommit to him and to choose to follow him in a way that he hadn't been able to up until this point. Jesus knew that Peter needed this opportunity. Jesus didn't need this really to happen. Jesus knew that Peter needed this opportunity. Peter needed this opportunity. And so in these moments, there is this beautiful exchange. Jesus gives Peter the opportunity to publicly recommit to him and to follow him. And this exchange, it's so, so lovely. Do not miss this. Jesus asks Peter repeatedly, he asks him a question three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And the reality is here that Jesus knew that Peter loved him. Jesus knew all things and he had overcome death. He had defeated sin. Jesus knew that Peter loved him. He absolutely did. But Jesus also knew that Peter needed this public opportunity for restoration and recommission so that he could make a decision about surrendering his life to the building of Jesus' church. And so Jesus stands before Peter and he offers him three distinct opportunities to publicly declare his faith again and again and again and reset the direction of his life. And in response to Peter's confession of faith, Jesus commands him three times. He essentially commands him to build my church, build my church, build my church, feed my lambs, tend to my flock with love, 
build my church. Three times Peter had denied Jesus before the crucifixion, and three times Jesus lovingly asks the question and gives this command. And this, this moment, this is the key turning point for Peter, which restores him into ministry and which recommissions him. And Peter's decision here changes his life forever in the best possible way. The next time that we see Peter, he's not a fisherman anymore cowering away in guilt nor in shame. He's not broken and lost and deflated. The next time we see Peter is after Pentecost in Acts 2, and it's now Peter who is taking on the Jewish crowd and the Jewish religious elite, telling them that they crucified Jesus, that Jesus really was the Messiah, and that they needed to repent of their sins and believe in him. My goodness, look at the difference in Peter's life because of one year's to devotion to Jesus, absolutely in the daily stuff, but also because of key turning points like this, perhaps this being the most important one on a beach at the Sea of Galilee. At Peter's lowest moment, and in the moments when Jesus deserved, Jesus deserved the right to publicly reject him, Jesus graciously gives him another opportunity to finally get it right. And I love this. And after this exchange, Peter finally steps up into the calling that Jesus has for him. Put it this way, Peter finally gets it. Peter finally dies to self. Peter finally understands his identity in Christ. Peter finally embraces Christ's mandate for his life. And he does so by finally making this decision to give up his whole life, not just some of his life, not just following Jesus when it was easy, not to just theoretically believe in him or follow him when the times were good, but actually to put his own life to death so that he could experience the life that Jesus always wanted for him. Isn't this beautiful? And in so doing, Peter becomes a new man, bold and courageous and passionate and full of the Spirit of God. And Peter would be one of the most important evangelists that the world has ever seen. Peter really would become the rock on which Jesus has and is building the church right into this region and in our area and in our day. Why? Because of a life spent in daily communion with Jesus? Yes, but also, and this is it, but also because of this kind of turning point on a beach in Galilee, this is beautiful. And do you know what? The same God, that same God has offered human beings the exact same opportunity time and time and time and time again throughout history. Like Moses at the burning bush. Like Jacob as he wrestled with God. Like David who chose to confront Goliath. Like the woman with bleeding who pushed through the crowd and touched Jesus' cloak to be healed. Like the friends of the paralyzed man who lowered him through a roof to get to Jesus. Like Thomas who had touched Jesus' nail-pierced hands so that he could believe. Like Paul at the road to Damascus. God comes to each one of us by his word and by his spirit and offers us opportunities to return to him and to make public Public, and I mean this, public declarations about our faith and to make decisions to risk big in the big things of our life for the cause of Christ's kingdom. 
And while all of that is evident in Scripture, it's even clearer in our own testimonies, isn't it? You know, I remember so vividly sitting in my car in Stranmillis Gardens in second year uni, coming before a holy God in worship, and I was crying my eyes out to him because I had failed him so badly. And in those moments, I had experienced his grace and his mercy. And in those moments, I was giving my life back to God. And I have never been the same person since that moment. It was a turning point for me. I remember getting phone calls from my wife, Charlotte, when she was in London after sitting with a student worker called Anna. And she was recounting to me how God was so powerfully in their conversations as they studied God's word and they prayed together in a cafe Nero and South Bank. The Lord changed her so much in those times. She was never the same because of those turning points. They were turning points for Charlotte. I remember watching my sister, he led us in worship tonight so beautifully. I remember watching Lauren encounter God's Holy Spirit in the most profound way at an event called Kairos. And in those moments, God was ministering to her brokenness in her floods of tears. I, the younger brother, watching this profound experience between her and God. And you know what? Lauren has never been the same since. It was a turning point in her life, and she will say the same. I remember watching my mom who prayed this evening. I remember watching my mom get baptized in a swimming pool outside Coleraine with tears of joy in her eyes as she got baptized in front of her kids. Tears of joy in her eyes because she knew that she knew that she knew the love and forgiveness of a beautiful Savior and because she wanted to now publicly, publicly declare her love for him. I remember that, and it was a turning point. I remember my brother-in-law sitting in the back of Terrace Row Presbyterian Church in Coleraine, running vigils, but actually being in a really, really bad spiritual place, being really far off from God for years and making really poor decisions. And I remember Owen telling me of his tears and his heartbreak in those moments before this Jesus who came to him even in his lostness, even in his lostness of serving, this Jesus who came to him and offered him rest for his really anxious soul and redemption for his mistakes and a new life in him free from all of the guilt and the shame that he was walking through. It was a turning point for Owen. And you know what? I remember sitting in a prayer meeting recently with Paul Jenkins, who's sitting right there, crying his eyes out. I remember watching on, crying his eyes out. He was in a season of making a decision to be all in in this church. And in those moments, he was feeling something of the pain and the yearning of a God who so desperately wants a generation to come back to him. It was a turning point for PJ. And I recall time after time after time over the last six years of working here, watching people come to the front of this church for prayer and leaving this place completely different. Turning points, moments of encounter, decisions made and lives changed forever. Such is the repeated invitation of a God who is present here tonight 
and who so desperately longs for us to come back to him over and over and over again. And so the real question at this point is what about you? What about you? What will you do now here in the presence of God? Who is Jesus really to you? What course will you study on and why? Who might you date and eventually choose to marry? How are you going to spend your money? How are you going to organize your schedule? What will you give your time to? Will you be all in for the church? Will you really lay down your life to build God's kingdom or not? We can wrestle with those things daily, but actually God lovingly offers us turning points in his presence where we draw a line in the sand and we say, do you know what? I'm either all in for this or I am all out. It's everything or nothing. And this resurrected Jesus stands tonight like he does here in John 21, full of love and forgiveness, offering you and me life and meaning and hope and purpose and nothing that anyone else can give to us. It's his beautiful invitation. But you know what? That life comes with the cost of yours. And so the deal isn't do everything that you want to and then just add Jesus in. And the deal isn't be the person that you want to be and then just add Jesus in. The deal isn't build your life as you see fit, do what you want, when you want, and then add Jesus in. The deal is your life for his. And so as I wrap up, how do we keep moving forward in our faith? How do we increasingly bring the kingdom of God into our ordinary life stuff? What does a faithful remnant of young adults need to do right now? Yes, we need devotion. Yes, we need that daily in word and in prayer and in church attendance and in small group and in all of the stuff. As Eugene Peterson says, we need long obedience in the same direction. That is absolutely true. But as part of that long obedience in the same direction, we need turning points, turning points like we've just read about in John 21, where we in the presence of God make serious decisions about our following of him in the big stuff of our lives. And so I wonder tonight where you're at with this. Perhaps some of you in the room, you need to finally make a call about Jesus. Perhaps some of you have denied him in your life or have messed up just like Peter. Perhaps some of you, if you're honest, your life is just about your will and not his will. Perhaps for some of you, you're just really tired and you need filled again by God's Holy Spirit. Perhaps tonight, perhaps in these moments, God is offering you a turning point. Through his word and by his spirit, Jesus stands this evening from the front of a church in Carnmoney and he calls out to each one of us, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And if your answer is yes, his call is follow me.